This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. Uh, so this morning, we are continuing our sermon series from the book of Judges. All summer long, we have been journeying through uh, this book of Judges uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, first, to really just give us a chance to experience uh, the stories of Israel, uh, the stories of the Old Testament, and how they uh, really are part of this greater story, this greater narrative of God's love and pursuit of God's people. Uh, the secondary purpose of the lens through which we've seen this is also though, through the lens of leadership and how we might learn from these judges, these leaders, uh, that God has raised up and uh, what that means for us as a community, what it means for us as individuals as we try to lead or we are led uh, in pursuit of following Christ uh, both in this place, in this space, but also in all the places where we live, uh, work, and play. And so this morning we're going to continue that. I'm going to begin simply uh, with the scripture today. So this is, comes from Judges uh, chapter 9. Uh, we'll begin with verse 7. Uh, and there are a few Bibles in your pews if you want to follow along with me as we uh, seek to, to hear this word uh, from God. This is Judges 9 uh, verses 7 through 15. In many of your Bibles it will start with Jotham's parable or the parable of the trees. Uh, when it was told to Jotham, he went and stood on top of Mount Gerizim and cried aloud and said to them, Listen to me, you lords of Sheshem, so that God may listen to you. The trees once went out to anoint a king over themselves, and so the trees said to the olive tree, Reign over us. The olive tree answered them, Shall I stop producing my rich oil, by which gods and mortals are honored, and go to sway over the trees? Then the trees said to the fig tree, You come and reign over us. But the fig tree answered them, Shall I stop producing my sweetness and my delicious fruit and go to sway over the trees? Then the trees said to the vine, You come and reign over us. But the vine said to them, Shall I stop producing my wine that cheers gods and mortals and go to sway over the trees? So all the trees said to the bramble, You come and reign over us. And the bramble said to the trees, If in good faith you are anointing me, king over you, then come and take refuge in my shade. But if not, let fire come out of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So when I first read this passage in preparation for this, uh, this week, uh, the thing that stood out to me, honestly, at first, were very simple and straightforward, especially as we think about what it means to be a leader, or what it means uh, to lead in the context of the body of Christ or the context uh, of God's people. Uh, for many of us, as we hear these words, we hear a simple parable. It's a parable of, of giftedness, a parable of how God uniquely gifted each of us. And when we are called or invited to stand outside of those gifts, uh, we are disobedient. And we hear this really clearly uh, in this passage. We hear uh, this rhythm uh, where Jotham, as he teaches about these trees, talks about a group of trees that we found out later. Uh, they're cedars of Lebanon. As they go to each other tree or each other branch or bush and say, why don't you come and, and rule over us? Why don't you come and be our king? And in response, each one uh, responds in their unique giftedness. And they push back and they say, wait, you know, why would I stop doing what I'm uniquely gifted for to do this other thing? 
Why would I stop using my gifts and and the things that I can uniquely provide our community or our world and do this other thing? And we hear it first in verse 8 when we hear the olive tree that's asked, you know, olive tree, come and be our king. Come sway over us and lead us. And the olive tree says, you know, my very nature is to produce olive oil. And by olive oil, I'm able to anoint kings and mortals and gods. I'm able to be part of this anointing, this setting aside. Why would I stop doing that to be king? In verse 10, we hear about the fig tree. The fig tree that produces this sweet and delicious fruit provides satisfaction to people. And again, the fig tree says, why would I stop doing that to go be king? And then we hear about the vine, the vine which produces wine and gets to bring great cheer. The vine also says, wait, why would I stop doing that to be king? And for those of us that have heard these kinds of parables before, we recognize that many of these parables have themes that are repeated uh, throughout Scripture. We hear it later on in the New Testament. It's a very familiar one to us. Uh, one about the body of Christ. When Paul begins to teach about what it means to be uniquely gifted and what it means to come together and offer those gifts, this is from 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 14 through 20. This is what he writes. Paul says, Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make the foot any less part of the body. If the ear would say, because I am not uh, an ear, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. And again, this is an incredibly valuable leadership lesson. It's an incredibly valuable reminder, especially in a week where we are about to send our youth and adults into the community to serve as part of Apex Outreach Service Project. It's a great example of how multiple generations come together uh, to serve alongside of each other and offer their unique gifts Uh, to serve this community, to to glorify God and to share God's love with neighbor. Uh, Some will come, and their gifts are that they are a master carpenter. They know how to fix anything, or they're a a jack-of-all-trades, and they can bring those gifts together, and they can help repair roofs, or they can help fix plumbing, or fix a floor, or build a deck. And they teach others how to use their gifts to do the same. For some, that is not their gift, Uh, but they're really good at sleeping, And so they come overnight and they stay with our youth on floors or on air mattresses. And that's the gift they bring. And if you're not a master carpenter but good at sleeping, Marcus told me he still needs some overnight hosts and so you still are needed in this place. Marcus will be in crossroads right after worship. (laughs) Some, the gift they bring is a gift of joy and laughter and so they bring that with them and they bring joy and laughter to a day and a week when people get exhausted and yet need to still laugh and celebrate together. Others bring an invitation to Scripture, an invitation to see the Holy Spirit, and and invite people to see where God is present. And and all of that together becomes a beautiful expression of what it means to be the body of Christ. And sometimes as leaders, that's our job. Our job is to recognize gifts in others and then put them in positions to use their unique giftedness to build us up together. And when we try to do something that's not ours to do, we actually fail the body. 
We fail the group. We fail the organization we're trying to be a part of. And so the first thing I'll leave you with this morning is before we jump into the second part of this is these two simple questions. And these are important takeaways for who we are, but they're this, and, and hopefully you've heard these questions before and have processed them, but not, I'd ask you to process them afresh this morning. And what, the first is, what are the unique gifts God has given to me? What are the unique gifts God has given to you? How has God uniquely created you? What has God uniquely created you for? And how do you use those gifts to bring glory to God and to love one another? How has God gifted you? And how are you using those gifts to bring glory to God and to love one another? And again, we could stop right there and you would have a great sermon and we could be very content with the leadership lesson we learned. But Jotham wasn't done. This is how Jotham continued. This is in verse 14. After he's asked all of the trees to come sway over them and they've denied him and said, wait, we're not that person. We're not that thing. We're not that king. He says this, so all the trees said to the bramble, the bramble is also translated thorn bush. So all the trees said to the thorn bush, you come and reign over us. And the thorn bush or the bramble said back to the trees, if in good faith you are anointing me king over you, then come and take refuge in my shade. But if not, let fire come out of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. I want to show an image. I know we only have one screen this morning. Some of you may not be able to see it, but we have an image this morning of the trees of Lebanon, the trees of Lebanon. Uh, the trees of Lebanon are known uh, to be these great cedar trees. And if you know uh, about large cedar trees, they take a long time to grow. We're often grown over generations. And the cedar trees uh, grew in that area and were used, one, for shade, but also for strong wood provide for the armies and the communities of that region. And so they were very well-known and very well-regarded in that area. They were famous, Lebanon was, for its trees, for these great cedars. In fact, throughout Scripture, you see reference, references to the trees of Lebanon. In Psalm 92, verse 12, it says, The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. In Ezekiel 31, 2 and 3, it says, Whom are you like in your greatness? Consider Assyria a cedar of Lebanon with fair branches and forest shade and of great height, its top among the clouds. And so the image that Jotham is sharing in here is this image of great trees, these trees that provide shade, that provide wood, that provide this incredible forest that is majestic to see. And by comparison, they look to this small thorn bush that is not majestic, that is not great, that is not revered, that only causes pain and destruction to those who touch it. And they say, if no one else will be our king, why don't you be our king? And I love the response that the thorn bush offers in this parable. It says, if in good faith you are anointing me king over you, then come and take refuge in my shade. Now imagine that. A thorn bush is saying, well, come, come be in my shade, you trees of Lebanon. Like, the absurdity of that is intentional. That a thorn bush cannot possibly provide shade for these trees. But if not, if this is not faithful, if this is not obedient, if this is not done in good faith, then let fires come out of the bramble 
and devour the cedars of Lebanon. Now to understand this, we have to understand what's happening in the rest of Judges chapter 9. This is the story of a man named Abimelech. Last week you heard about Gideon. Pastor Laura preached about Gideon and, and did a great job. So if you have not heard her sermon yet, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it on the podcast. But she did a great job of sharing the story and also a part of her story. But following Gideon's death, uh, we see uh, another gap in this reign of Israel where another judge needs to be raised up. And historically, as we've been walking through this series, you've seen a pattern. Israel turns from God. Uh, They are oppressed by an outsider. God raises up a deliverer, and that deliverer then sets Israel to a time of peace. Well, this time, this pattern is not repeated. Abimelech Uh, rather than wait for God to raise up a next judge, decides that it's his turn to be king. Abimelech decides that he's going to be judge. He's going to rule over Israel. And so Abimelech uh, begins to try to assume the throne of Israel, to take over and and, and be an authority and power over the people. It is not the one God raises up, but out of his own ambition and pride and lust for power, Abimelech pursues it. The problem is he's not next in line. He has 70 brothers who are next in line to be king, to be judge, to be ruler. But Abimelech is not going to let that deter him. And so the story is an awful story, but if you read the few verses ahead of it, you'll see it happen very quickly. Abimelech, because he wants to rule, actually goes and kills all 70 of his brothers, save one, to go be king. He destroys his own family out of his ambition, his desire for power and authority and recognition Abimelech destroys all that is good around him to assume this place of ruling and authority. In verse 6, after this happens, it says, after he's killed all of his brothers, after he has destroyed his family, it says this, Then all the lords of Sheshem and all beth come together, and they went and made Abimelech king by the oak of the pillar at Sheshem. So after he's killed all these people, after he's used his ambition to create violence and destroy families, to live in disobedience to God's purposes, the people around him make him king. Clearly he's effective. Clearly he's done something to put himself in this position as they anoint him. And so when they anoint him, that's when Jotham gives this parable. And Jotham says to them, be careful. Be careful. I think this is the first warning that Jotham offers us as a community. He says, be careful who you ask to be your king. Be careful who you ask to rule over you. If who you ask to rule over you is done in faithfulness and obedience to God's purposes and God's direction, you'll be just fine. But if not, be careful. Because out of the same thorn bush that you made king will be fires to destroy this entire forest that took generations to grow. I think Jotham offers us as a community a warning that every time we choose to give people power and authority over us, that we pursue and ask the question about what is their motivation, what is their purpose, what is their direction, And is their purpose and their motivation and their direction consistent with the purposes and motivation of God? Is their purpose and motivation and direction consistent with kingdom values? 
And if not, be careful when we ask them to rule over us. Because the very same person we might trust with power can also destroy the very thing we trusted them to lead. And so I would just challenge us. Every time we have these conversations, this is not just a political conversation, so I know some of you go there instantly, and so just trust me, it's not just about politics, it's not just about one politician or one person or one political party, it's about anyone we trust to lead on a local, a regional, or a national level. Anyone we trust to lead in our communities, anyone we trust to lead in places that we have authority, we have to ask the question, are we willing to put people in power that work in cross-purposes to God? It's true not just in politics, it's also true in our own lives. We ask if the people that we trust to lead our children, to lead our youth, to, uh, we, don't, we don't look very far to watch the news and see where that has been abused. Where people that we know aren't people of good character, aren't pursuing God. We give authority over people in our lives and we are surprised when they destroy the very thing that we love. We see this with the academic scandals in the news where, where we have trusted people to have a, a way of getting into, into colleges and yet we've trusted people to process this that aren't people of good character and it's, it is used not consistent with integrity or humility or process. We see this with people, we give people authority over our money. I was just reading the news this past week and, and Bernie Madoff, some of you know who Bernie Madoff is. Uh, Bernie Madoff was in the news a couple weeks ago. Here's a person that people trusted with their money who they knew made a promise that was too good to be true. And yet they saw him giving wealth to people that were all around him and so chose to trust them with their wealth even though they knew that the promises he made probably didn't make a whole lot of sense. And he abused that power and destroyed the very thing people trusted him with. So as a community, we need to always ask the question whether we are voting or whether we are giving authority in our school systems or in our uh, communities or whether we are giving authority over our money or our things, are the people we are trusting with these things worthwhile of our trust because their character is consistent with the purposes and the character of God's kingdom? The other warning I think is for us individuals. I think we see this when we put ourselves in the place of Abimelech. Uh, many of us, too, have assumed or are moving through a process uh, where we have uh, moved into leadership roles. And uh, one of the things we use this in the corporate setting is, is, a, is a ladder of success. It's, a, it's we're climbing the, the corporate ladder. We're climbing the ladder of success. As we climb that ladder, we see Abimelech pursue these things, these things that would make him powerful, him in authority, him uh, have wealth and recognition. And when he does that, you look at what he's willing to do to destroy the very things that actually could bring value, that can actually bring glory to the God of God's people. There's a great quote that I read in a book I was reading a few weeks ago by Richard Rohr, and the book is called Falling Upward, and he talks about this ladder of success, and it struck me. He says this, he says, Thomas Merton, of the American monk, pointed out that we may spend our whole life climbing the ladder of success only to find when we get to the top that our ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. We spend our whole life working to get to the top to realize our ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. I would posit to say, and I don't think this is a stretch from scripture, that Abimelech had his ladder leaning against the wrong wall. 
He was pursuing the wrong kind of power, the wrong kind of authority, the wrong kind of recognition. And in pursuing these things, Abimelech destroyed his family, his community, his reputation, and eventually his own life. So my question for us this morning is what wall do we lean our ladder against? (laughs) How do you define success? How do you define accomplishment? How do you define purpose? And are you defining these things in ways consistent with God's purposes, God's values, and God's kingdom? I'm gonna leave us with a few questions, a few spaces to answer that. Again, I'll point this way. There's no screen here. I'm gonna point us that way. Here are the questions I wanna close with this morning. Is how would you define uh, purpose and success in each of these areas of your life? Your relationships, your spouse, dating, close friendships, your family, your neighborhood, your community, wherever, whichever community you're a part of, your workplace, or for you personally, as you live into God's values, what is success and purpose for you? And does your life, does the means that you take to get to those places, is it consistent with God's values, God's purposes, and God's kingdom? Let me pray for us today. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for this day. We thank you for the ways that you have uniquely created each of us, the gifts that you have given us, the gifts that you have embedded in us, gifts of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness generosity, self-control, gifts to care for our neighbors, gifts to give to the needy, to feed the hungry. Lord, we ask that you would give us courage to use those gifts, to discern where you would lead us and to use those gifts in a way that bring honor and glory to you. And Lord, that when we get tempted to move outside of your purposes, that you would help us turn back to you turn away from the things of this world and turn instead to you. And as we trust those to lead us and as we ourselves step into places of leadership, may you give us the courage to always choose your purposes, your kingdom values, your will. And may it be true of us that your will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.